0: This is Passion for Your Passions, a podcast where we talk about the great interests that in the darkness bind us. I'm Krista, <laughs> and I'm Julie. Today we're talking about Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. Hello, Sam. For a dance. I think I'll just have another round. This is it? This is what? I take one more step, bury
1: you fools. It'll be the farthest away from home I've ever been. I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened.
0: So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide.
1: All you have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to you. So this is a huge... A ginormous topic for us. We're already not focused and excited about it. <laughs> it's going to be a long recording. Uh, but we did finally decide to talk about Lord of the Rings because of Bilbo's birthday. And we wanted to shorten it to just the Fellowship of the Ring. Nothing else. Not Tolkien.
0: Not anything else. Just the Fellowship of the Ring. And we're going to try our best to adhere to that. So if we get off topic, we have to be like... Smack! <laughs> <laughs> no! No! <laughs> I could hit this something, thing. but it would ruin the recording. It mess it up. That's the sad part about this. So, <laughs> no. <And don't... laughs> You're gonna hit the mic. I just punch it. I just punch the mic. I hit
1: the wall <laughs> slightly adjacent to me. She was gonna straight up punch the fucking mic.
0: <laughs> and that's our cold open. <laughs> now Not really. Um. So we have like several different parts that we can talk about with this that we just kind of like split it up, like as always, just to make things a little bit better for us. So we're going to talk about the book, we're going to talk about the movie, um, we're going to talk about like, if we think there are any improvements we think could be made. And also just like things in general, like little fun facts and stuff that we'll throw throughout. I also have the book sitting right beside me just because there are maybe a couple of quotes that I want to talk about because there's a couple gems in this book that are just, like... I think they need to be mentioned. More people need to talk about these quotes. <laughs> they upset me. <laughs> Everyone so. talks about wandering and getting lost, but nobody talks about how Rainbow-esque Saruman yeah. was. And Tom Bombdeville. And Tom bombville Everybody talks... Like, when everybody talks about the book, okay, well, let's just get into it. Let's go from here. We're talking about the book. Right. So, some of the
1: things that make the book so wonderful in and of itself we're not talking like the story we're talking about the book is it's quirky and weird right out the goddamn gate like it is a very unique style of writing that Tolkien is just very known for from the very beginning of this book you can tell he just loves hobbits just the way he talks about them and the details that he puts in as unnecessary and slightly slow as they can be in the beginning you get a love for this race that you didn't really know much about until now like even in the hobbit he doesn't talk about hobbits as like a race that much he kind of he talks about bilbo amongst the hobbits in a way but like lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring is very much like hobbits. Like, this is what they are. This is their world. Mm -hmm. And that's
0: just a wonderful way to get in. And I mean, like, there's a lot of themes throughout Lord of the Rings, which, I mean, maybe we'll get into, like, as we go throughout this, like, as a series. But like, the big thing about Lord of the Rings is it's supposed to be kind of like a big allegory for when Tolkien was in World War Two, I believe. And so there's a lot of stuff, like, the whole thing, like, I think about the Hobbits is, like, it's supposed to be very, like, homey. Like, they're supposed to feel, like, very nostalgic. Like, they're like farmers. They're good, like, fun-loving boys. Like, that's, like, the most important things to them is, like, they love nature. They love farming. They love, you know, just, like, being, essentially. Like, family and drinking. And, you know, like, it's, like, fun, like, I guess would be the best way to describe them. They're very, like... I mean, they do, they, they're a little bit thoughtful too, I guess I would say, because they do like to read and things. But like, it's like all like that kind of like, they just make you feel nostalgic. That's like what I kind of feel when I feel no, for Hobbits.
1: Well, for me, and this goes even into Tom Bombadil as well, there's the idea like in the background or the main story is really like good versus evil, light versus dark. But when you look at the history and when you look at Hobbits and Tom Bombadil. They are about living now they don't like the hobbits aren't really aware of the impending doom that has mm-hmm. befallen them they are very part of now and what is happening and they're just living life which is something tolkien always tries to kind of like bridge and carry throughout that living life in the
0: moment is just as
1: important yeah. as fighting
0: evil and i think even too i mean because like i said th- this whole thing was like a big kind of allegory type of thing but That, what you were talking about, has to get into, like, the tragedy of Frodo. Which, like, again, some of this we'll get more into, like, as we go throughout the rest of them. But that kind of is the thing. It's the main character, Frodo. Just in case anybody, you know, doesn't (laughs) (laughs) know about Lord of the Rings. Get the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is maybe not the podcast for for you. You know, if you want to pick it up and, you know, try to learn about this. Watch the movie. You know, that sort of thing. We'll get into our recommendations later, but... Frodo, the main character, he essentially is given this great burden. And this great burden is a ring, which is essentially the ring, we'll just say it's like the ring that can end the world. That's like the idea behind it. And it really is a hard thing for him. Because like I said, the hobbits, like they're supposed to be like this nostalgic, like very fun loving people. They don't really like Julie was saying they don't really care about the rest of the world. They're very like. I mean, honestly, like in a lot of ways, it is kind of like where we're from in the land of the corn. Like, it's like there's this, you know, like I like my life. Like, I like this stuff. I don't care. Like, I don't care what those people out there are doing. This is us, you know, that type of thing. And like, Frodo struggles with that because he's like, I love my home. If, you know, the bad comes here and destroys it, that would suck because I love this. So Mm -hmm. it's like, I have to do it. Yeah, well, they... in the beginning of the book, they speak about
1: Frodo so highly, like, especially Bilbo, who's just talking because the beginning of the book is a lot of Bilbo perspective, more or less. And um, Frodo's just spoken so highly of, from everybody, even people that think the Baggins is are weird. They're like, but that Frodo, like, he's this great guy, like, he helps everybody. He loves his uncle, his friends love him. They put him, like, higher than most of the hobbits, especially because of his perspective and his way to help people and always want to do good. And so then to have this burden that he, it almost like he wanted it. It's almost like something he wished for, that he wished he could help the world. He wished he could do more. And then gets taken back by this horrible burden that ruins him in a way. Like it, it does. And that is a tragic story in and of itself. Like you were saying that it's kind of like you're, the good hero is
0: crushed by the burden of reality. Yeah. yeah and it, it's like, essentially he does it Because he doesn't want the good to be destroyed. And that's what it is. Like, it's like, I don't, like, maybe there was like a part of him, you know, he wanted to travel or maybe he wanted it a little bit. But like, it's more like, he doesn't want the bad to happen to people. So he's like, I'll just take all the bad. He'll sacrifice his good, his life to make sure that the good stays in the world. And that's that's Frodo. And I mean, I think it's, it is interesting. I mean, like the thing to think about too, which I think we're going to get into some of like the weird things about this book for people who don't know. But this is an older book. So like some of the fantasy things in here probably do feel a little bit tropish, especially now. Because he's the father of fantasy. (laughs) He's the father of fantasy. I will say that like pretty much nobody writes like Tolkien. It's very, people try to mimic it, but it's very... He writes a very particular way. And like, it's very clear he spent so long writing these books. And I think that that's the thing, too, that a lot of people don't realize. Like, when they're trying to mimic Tolkien, like, he probably spent like most of his life writing this book. So that's why it's so hard to replicate. Like, he thought about everything. (laughs) Well, essentially, (laughs) these books came from which we were like, we're not talking about Tolkien. Um, Well, I'm just talking about it like generally, like, because that is like a thing is like many fantasy people are like, oh, yeah, I want to write a Tolkien. And it's like, dude, like, he's (laughs) like your life. Yeah, he's (laughs) been so long. And like, this book definitely reflects that. Like, there is so much thought to everything. Like, it's just like, everything has a history. Like, it's very like, you know, even when they're talking about the past and stuff, it's very clear that he basically had like a timeline of all of the events, every building and like, yeah, it's, it's wild. If you like that kind of fantasy, this is all the detail. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But it's also not easy. It's not something like if you're new to fantasy and you go, well, Tolkien's the best I should know. Like (laughs) it is not an easy read as much as we love it and we're totally invested in it and would tell anybody to read it it is not an easy thing to read (laughs) it is very hard especially at first and like even if you're just trying to learn the history and you pick up the psalmarillion like holy hell is that hard to read like it's it's but Tolkien came up with these just because he was telling funny stories and ballads to his kids and then just developed this whole world around it and you can really
0: tell when you're reading the books yeah that's just so much like Krista was saying do you want to talk about some of the good moments and then we can talk about some of the weaker moments well, I love as as every person who's read the book Tom Bombadil, and I was actually
1: listening to something today because some people are happy he's not in the movie, which I did. Everyone I've known is like, why didn't they put him in the movie? And this person had a really good perspective, is what we were talking about with hobbits that they're living in the now. That that's not the fight of good and evil. It's just existing. Tom Bombadil a very like you don't know why he's there. Like he's not a good guy. He's not a bad guy. He's a very neutral like. And he's kind of the idea of nature and neutrality. Like, he's just super powerful. Like, one of the, if not the oldest being at that age and everything. But he just doesn't do anything. Like, he doesn't
0: contribute other than to house the hobbits for, like, a hot second. And the other thing, too, like, I'll mention just, like, to kind of vaguely talk about this. It's, so one of the other things about, like, Tolkien being the way that he is, and he thought a lot of things out, is there, there do end up being kind of almost, like, angels and deities like there there are like a lot of christian themes in this book it's i wouldn't say it's like the most front forward but like you can it's there like i think gandalf and like the wizards and stuff are essentially like angels they're the astari like, they're like more elemental based yeah. ancient beings of whatnot yeah and- And I think, like, Tom Bombdeville is... He's, like, a force of nature is kind of the way that, like, I always read him as. It's, like, he is essentially... Like, there's, like, a certain amount of land or something. And, like, he is that land. Like, he's the personification of the land. So, I don't know if you call him a deity. I don't really quite know, but... Well, it's
1: said that Tolkien specifically said he was not a god. He was not that kind of figure. He very specifically was... Apparently, it came from a doll that his kids had that got flushed down the toilet like they're like it's a weird (laughs) funny thing and so he started writing little songs and ditties like about this character and the first story of him was that he was lost in the woods and fought like this water spirit and took his took the daughter of the spirit and married her to be goldenberry but in the lord of the rings like he's not talked about a whole lot so then the lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring he's just this dude who's silly and weird and will randomly say something really serious and dark, but then say it in a funny tune instead of, like... <laughs> and then he, the one ring of power has no power over him. It doesn't even make him invisible, and he can still see Frodo, because technically he's older than the ring and older than, like, everything and being. Because Elrond refers to him as, like, the elder... No, he refers himself as the elder one, and Elrod like, speaks to him as if ne- nothing is older than mm-hmm. him. So he's just, like, OP as fuck, But doesn't care, and just is there, just like nature kind of is, so I, how he's written is what you're saying, where it's like he's an embodiment of nature, like he's just, he is what he is, it's not bad, good, whatever, it is what it is. Yeah,
0: because, I mean, there's even, like, a part later where, like, at the Council of Elrond, where they're basically like, oh, should we just give it to him? And they're like, well, you could, but, like, also, like... He the fuck? Might, what the what he do? He might <laughs> also give it away. Like, it's yeah. like he doesn't care about it. Like, he just, he wouldn't. It's nothing to him, essentially. And, like, yeah, there's all this weird stuff with Tom Bomb specifically. So that's probably why he's, he's cut for the movies, because
1: they didn't know what to do with him. Yeah, but and he, he doesn't come back. No, he's not, like, an important character. He's just very interesting historically, and kind of, I think it would be a really cool idea for a show... To expand upon his story and make him, like, a more prevalent
0: character. Because you could do that with so many things in Tolkien's world. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of things. And, I mean, even one of those, which I have to mention... I have to mention my boy, Bill the Pony, because that, that guy, he's got the best arc in the whole story. Oh my gosh, Bill the Pony. Everybody loves Bill the Pony. And it is, I mean, they do mention him in the movie. They're like, oh yeah. They, they literally go. just cast him away. <laughs> yeah, saying, yeah, they're you like, you are a yeah. good horse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Goodbye. But in the books, it's basically like they get him from, I think it's like Bree, the first town they go to. And it's like some dude is like beating this horse and like he's got a miserable life. He looks so skinny. He's all this stuff and they give it to him because like they're like yeah, whatever he's gonna die or something and so Sam has him and is like all skeptical about him at first and then like just slowly he starts getting better and better and he's like super happy and he becomes like a really good companion and then yeah when they go to Moria they get rid of him and it's like man I want Bill the Pony to come back. I'm I want just... him to have his time and his story. <laughs> I thought he ended up back with Tom Bombadil. He might have but I don't I'm not sure. It's been a while since I've read the later books, So I'll have to see. But, like, I don't think he comes back in Fellowship, for yeah. sure. I think... They basically cast him away at Moria. Because Tom Bombadil, like, is one of his things, is that he takes care of the stray horses
1: and the lost and all that kind of thing. And I think he ends up with Bill the Pony. I think. It's possible. I just... I'm not positive. All I know is that... So that Bill is the Pony what... and Tom Bombadil dynamic duo. <laughs> yeah, go, go, go live up their story. lives.
0: <laughs> I will also say... I am very partial, partial to, like, the beginning part that is essentially uh, Bilbo's birthday. I just, I think that that part is very well written. I think it's very, like, like Julie was saying, making you care about the hobbits. And it's it's this very weird way to make you care about them. But it does. Like, you, for whatever reason, you are, like, extremely invested in this random birthday party. And, like, almost word for word, it's the same in the movie. Yeah, it's so
1: similar. And then I think the only thing they don't add is that in the book, obviously, you know what Hobbit is talking. Like they say, you know, this is Farmer Maggot. This is so-and-so. In the movies, they just have them, you know, yelling or calling out and you don't know what hobbits what. In the books, it's like, you know, all the families, you know, all the names, like, you know how they're correlative, because it's like a bunch of old people talking when they're like, yeah, you remember so and so son? Yeah. And this person did like, it's very much like that, that you have to learn all these people's names all at once, because a bunch of old people are just talking and reminiscing. And it's very relatable and very like homey, like hobbits are meant to be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I just I like that part. And I mean, For me, particularly, I love world building, so like stuff like that, and especially like it being as good as it is, like, if you've watched the movie, which we are going to get to the movie, it is like pretty much exactly the same. And like, even when I rewatch the movie, like that is one of my favorite parts is the birthday scene. Like, I love the birthday scene a lot. So, yeah, it's pretty, I think even the movie adds a few bits
1: because of the lack of understanding each hobbit and individuality they add a bunch of little things that I think are even better. Like that's their way of doing it, which is really great. So yeah, the books are, while we're mentioning all this, the first half of the fellowship is completely different than the second half. As yeah, yeah, it is in tone,
0: in tone and everything, but they're like like two completely different books. They really are. It's yeah. The first half, I mean, I'll, let you keep going but like the first half is very light and the second half is like dark (laughs) yeah but what's
1: interesting to kind of compare to the movies that i find is the end of the fellowship movie is technically the beginning of the two towers which doesn't seem like a big deal but it's a completely different tone in the books and like Barmir dies that's the beginning of the two towers and so like that's when stuff settles in a lot more because the fellowship the first half is just you know hobbits and adventure and silliness and weird and Mm -hmm. like just uh, all these cool things and as you get into the second half it just keeps getting slowly more serious and then it cuts right there to be like and now it's dark as fuck (laughs) like and now we are Hella serious, and so it's kind of interesting that the movies wanted to give you, I guess, more of a bite at the end because I mean it would have ended with them on the river more or less. I think.
0: Um, no, I think in the books, I were. It's been a couple months since I reread it, but like I think it basically ends with, with them. In them in oh Galadriel. no, it ends with them separating because that's what I was telling. I was telling you about that. Like it's yeah. so bizarre because it's basically like Frodo runs off. And then, like, Aragorn is like, oh, well, like, what should we do? So then they're just, like, all running around the hill. Like, that's where it ends. It's, like, them just being like, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. And then this book, Boromir, shot like, <laughs>
1: like, immediately. Yeah, me- yeah it's the, like, first <laughs>
0: chapter. Boromir's, like, ganked. <laughs> it's, Yeah, it's very, very bizarre. Yeah. Uh, but I have things to say about the two towers. But we're not getting into towers yeah. yet. We're still talking about this. So... I will say, because we're getting closer to the part where we're going to talk about the movies. I personally probably recommend the movies more than I do the books, especially because of this tone thing. The first half really is, like, it's silly. bizarre. It's just yeah, weird it's and silly. It's very silly. I could see people, like, especially if you watch the movies, maybe not liking it. It's very windy in that part. I mean, you you say that a lot. That's That's kind of a Julie quote. But, like some of the plots in the first half are like there. so much of it did not end up in the movies like there's this whole thing and I and look I got to talk about some of the stuff that happens in this book that's like very bizarre it does not happen in the movies like that there is a real estate thing that Frodo goes through (laughs) for like three chapters. It is basically and I don't even understand it. I still don't really get it. It's like essentially him being like, well, I can't just leave Bag End because then like people will talk so like I gotta go move over to, I forget the name of it now, but it's like a different section of the Shire. So it's like this whole thing of him like packing up all of his stuff and like in the middle of the night he like, he like he doesn't even get on a carriage. Like he's like, I'm gonna go walk over there and and then he gets there and he's like there for one night and then he leaves i'm like i do not understand this real estate section of this book it went on for (laughs) so long um and then the other part that really cracked me up is all of the things like the way people talk about things because the first one that cracked me up was when gandalf and frodo first talk about the ring because, first of all, Gandalf just, like, basically shows up. Okay. Actually, I should mention this, too. The timeline is a bit weird in the books, and they don't do as much of this in the movies. Like, for one thing, Frodo is a bit older. Like, I want to say yeah. he's, like, 50. He's, like, something around there. Well, um, he's, like, finally hit
1: maturity age for a hobbit. So, like, with the beginning of the book, he's, in, he's like, 30 or 35. Mm-hmm. And then, essentially... Bilbo leaves, Gandalf's like, hey, the ring, and has that whole bit that's pretty much word for word between him and Bilbo. And then... He's like, I need to research this. And then just fucks off for 20 yeah. years. <laughs> for, <laughs> for 20 years. Yeah. He's like going tower to tower and researching this ring of power and all of the rings of power. Yeah. And then he comes back. So now Frodo's like
0: 50. <laughs> yeah. And it's okay. Okay. So getting back to this point, this was the one. It just cracked me up because it, like Gandalf comes back and like Frodo's like, Hey, like, are you okay and stuff? And like, Gandalf's like, no, I'm not. (laughs) Like, he's like, well, do you want to talk about it? And he's like, no, we can't talk about this stuff in the sunlight or like at nighttime. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. We can't talk about it at night. And like, Frodo's like, okay. So then they just (laughs) awkwardly sit there for hours until the sun rises and then Frodo's like so the sun is out can we talk about this and then they proceed to have like a three hour conversation where essentially what happens is Gandalf just talks for like three hours like Frodo says minimally nothing like he maybe will be like or Something, but the, like, it's just Gandalf being like, This sucks. We're shit is fucked. This is the ring of power. We're doomed. And, like, it's just, it was like, Oh my gosh, this conversation. <laughs> I kept like thinking it was gonna be over, and then it kept going. And then what cracks me up even further is later they do this again because they have the Council of Elrond, which the Council of Elrond in the books is like. It's like everyone's background story in the whole realm. Oh my gosh. And so, like, I forget, they have like a good amount of people there, but like, about half of the people in the Council of Elrond tell their story. Like, Bilbo tells his story, Gandalf tells his story. Um, I think like Elrond tells his story, Legolas has something to say, Frodo tells his story. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this count, how long is this going for? Because everybody's telling everything about their lives, essentially. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that, (laughs) from there, people do tend to stop just (laughs) telling you things. But yeah, that was, that was pretty hard. Both of those scenes. Because both of them were like, is this going to be over? Because like, this is literally, this is the biggest info dump of all info dumps ever. (laughs) I think when I read The Fellowship the first time, I definitely
1: page skipped when I was just like, dude, like, I get it. Like, especially since you've seen the movie, so you already know, like, gist of things. I skipped, like, most of the Council of Alrod, I'll be square. And I even skipped the part where, like, Boromir and Aragorn have their awkward, like, meeting. And they talk about the sword and all this, like, humanity. I'm like, dude. <laughs> like, like, I think Aragorn, like, walks up to the statue like he does in the movie. And then he goes to, like, talk about the history of the sword but then doesn't tell you what the sword is. So, like, you don't really know it's a Silver sword. You're just like, why do you care so much? Like, why are we talking about this? <laughs> like,
0: yeah. You just don't oh, understand. No, I, that is exactly what it is with that Gandalf scene. Because it's just like, Gandalf, like, this is, like, a lot. Okay, I get it, but, like, yeah, this
1: is so With much. artifacts and weapons, especially in the first book, it's just like... What are you talking about? Why are we still doing
0: this? I know. And and then the Council of Elrond thing. It's like, like, could I have got, could you give me like the shorter version? Like, I don't, I don't need to like hear all of this. I'm not sure all of this is relevant. This is a lot.
1: It's just character building through storytelling, yeah. which I get and I love him for. But yet when you do it in these huge chunks, you're just like, fucking move on. <laughs> like, yeah. why are,
0: why is everyone doing this right now? <laughs> And for sure, I think the second half is more readable. I mean, there is that tonal shift, but, like, even just in the way that he writes, like, honestly, I kind of wonder if he did, like, a weird gap or something in between writing those two sections, because they're really different. Like, once you get to the second half, and I mean, this book does have a split. It, like, has a part two. Once you get to part two, like, it literally feels like a different book.
1: Well, it's like book one is the storytelling, the character building, the, like his love of who they are is showing and love of the world. While the second book is like this or the second part is like, this is the adventure. This is the story happening now that I've set it all up (laughs) and you know who I'm talking about. So I think that's really what I would think he's going for is him like world building.
0: All right, adventure time. Like, like let's fucking go. So. But by the second half, things just kind of happen. It's, like, yeah. things happening. So, like, it's a little bit... Well, it's like not the first so much half, people shouting at you. <laughs> the first half is pretty much, like, up to, what, the council?
1: A little bit after that? I think that. that
0: the first part of part two is the council. So, like, it's basically after the council. Yeah. But, but
1: to put in perspective, like, think of how much else ap- happens after that. Like, you've got the Mines of Mori, You've got the, like... Uh, even the Bridge of Doom is, like, this huge part. You've got the river. You've got, like... All this other stuff happens all in the second part. (laughs) Yeah. You have all the Hobbit and the weird character building in the first half.
0: Yeah. All of the, like, action points. Yeah. You've
1: got Galadriel. You've got, like, all of this shit happening in the second part.
0: To end our little book
1: section, we have some favorite quotes.
0: Well, okay. These are kind of more silly quotes, and I think people just need to know. I need to find this. Yeah, everyone knows the big, popular, like, heavy-handed, beautiful quotes that we yeah, Not all who wonder who lost that people technically quote incorrectly. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they, like, use it to quote wonderlust and that's not no, really what it's, it's kind of sad. <laughs> okay, this is the thing. Okay, so another thing I will say that cracks me up about Tolkien particularly, I only really have two quotes I want to go over, but, like, he has those... Ten- he writes in a very interesting way where... So, like, Frodo is technically the main character... But other characters are also sort of, like, they'll Take talk. perspective. Yeah, it's very strange. And, like, the first time that this really happened cracked me up. Because for some reason, it was just a random fox. <laughs> and I don't know really why he did this. But, like, so there's this part where they're walking to the next part of the Shire, right? For the whole real estate thing that I was talking about. And so, it's... Then each, in an angle of the great tree's roots, they curled up in their cloaks and blankets and were soon fast asleep. They set no watch. Even Frodo feared no danger yet, for they were still in the heart of the Shire. A few creatures came and looked at them when the fire had died away. A fox, passing through the wood on business of his own, stopped several minutes and sniffed. Hobbits, he thought. Well, what next? I have heard of strange doings in this land, but I have seldom heard of a hobbit sleeping outdoors under a tree. Three of them? There's something mighty queer behind this. He was right, but he never found out any more about it. (laughs) And I'm like, do I really need to know the perspective of this fox? Fox? Yeah, (laughs) It's just so bizarre. Mm -hmm. And that was, like, the first time where I was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah,
1: he passes the perspective around, like, it starts with Bilbo mostly and just general hobbits, like, in passing. But he does it really smoothly. Like, even that, as silly as it is, it's still smooth as fuck. Like, just... And then a fox came by and wondered, what the fuck are they doing here? <laughs> and <laughs> like, he
0: never found it. And he anything? never remember, like, And then his <laughs> life was a mystery. Yeah. Like. So that was one. And then this was the one. So I've shared this second quote with people because I just, like, I can't believe. This is just one is so funny to me. Um, let me find exactly where it starts. Okay, okay. So this is when Saruman and Gandalf are, like, having their whole thing and, like, they fight and all this stuff. So this is like the first time when, like, Gandalf is starting to realize that he's a little bit evil. And so Saruman's talking, and he's like talking about Radagast the Brown. And he's like, Yet he had the wit to play the simple part that I sent him. For you have come, and that was all the purpose of my message. And here you will stay, Gandalf the Grey, and rest from journeys. For I am Saruman the Rise, Saruman the Ringmaker, Saruman of many colors. And so then Gandalf says that he looked then and saw that his robes, which had seemed white, were not so, but were woven of all colors, and if moved, they shimmered and changed in hue, so that the eye was bewildered. And Gandalf says, I liked white better. So Gandalf did not like Saruman's rainbow. Apparently Saruman, who was Saruman the White, changed his cloak to a rainbow cloak. And then Gandalf Gandalf was was like,
1: "Uh uh-uh.
0: I'm not about White power. Unacceptable. I don't know how this was never something that like I caught, but when I was reading this my most recent time, I was like, "Sarban had a rainbow club. What? <laughs> what? Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse. That really changes a lot of like Ideals. feelings about yeah. Sarban. So yeah, I don't think I
1: caught. I mean, I guess we read it when we were younger, mm-hmm. and so it was something we're like, "It shimmers, cool," and then like. <laughs> I like moved on. No, it's rainbow and Gandalf. He likes the white butter, mm. which <laughs> what a salty bitch. Like he's just jealous.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: cool. So my story time, I guess, isn't really a funny story because all mine are like dangerous or funny. This is just kind of like a cool thing that kind of happened to me. Um, so I went to a couple of estate sales. Uh, it was twenty. It was like summer of twenty twenty, I think. And one was because a family friend. Her husband passed and essentially we didn't want to like ask her for stuff. She kept trying to give us stuff, but we're like, no, no. And she had an estate sale while she wasn't home essentially. So we went and like bought stuff from her and then my mom, she's the one who went with me. She went, okay, there's another one like on my way to work. This was fun. You want to go one? I said, sure, let's go. So we go to this house and walk in and estate sales, if you haven't been to one, are either great or just really depressing. <laughs> there's really no in between. Um, and this one was a mixed bag. Like we came late to the game, so there was a lot of stuff that like clearly was missing. I wandered into this weird sunroom where I guess they made candles. So I was like, this smells cool. And like I got two of the candles. They were like three dollars each. And then I stumbled into the library that was mostly untouched, and it was like wall like floor to ceiling bookcases. And I just started looking through everything. And funny enough, I found a hard copy of the Psalmerian like, early release, like, three years after Tolkien died. Like, book I've been actually looking for. And so I grabbed that and, like, (gasps) like held it to my chest, like, this is the book. And it was in perfect condition. And I started looking around, and I found, like, I forget, I've suddenly, I can't remember how to pronounce his name, but the author of Jurassic Park They had a whole collection of all of his books. And so, like, I started stacking them. So I have, like, a stack of hardcover books. Michael Creighton. Michael Creighton. 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 That guy. Creighton. I know his name, but, like, I never know Creighton Kraken. So I got all of his books because I've been wanting to read more of his books. And I found, like, books on music, cookbooks, like, all this kind of stuff. So I have a stack of books already. And I go up to, like, I don't want to call it a register, but essentially where the people that you pay are. I'm like, so this is my stack of books. <laughs> I probably will look more essentially. And the guy looks at the books, looks at me and he goes, do you want the whole library? And I like looked at him like, uh, I don't know. He went 15 bucks, whole library, you have to take all of it. I went fuck yeah, like let's, I, I would have paid like 80 for like, the books I picked out. <laughs> like, let's go. And so my mom wasn't there for that. <laughs> and I had to tell her, be like, So I bought the entire library and we stacked her car full of books. Like we could not reverse because it was completely full. There were books on my lap. There were books like I was like curled up in my seat, like books for days. And they had signed books. Like they had a Martha Stewart book that was signed and like laminated because this couple was part of like a book club. And so they'd go they would buy the book and read it and go get it signed and all this kind of stuff there were a whole bunch of other like games and books that I wanted to read in the end it was about 800 some books and I kept over 500 of them and I traded the rest at like half price books and bought other books I wanted from there and I ended up making like 100 bucks worth of money from half price books and then I had to make a library in my house because I have too many books had to. <laughs> had to. Well, they were stacked in
0: every goddamn room. <laughs> I was like, I. Need to fix this. <laughs> Man, I apparently I need to see your copy of the Cimmerillion. Cimmer- I don't think I've seen that actually. I have a whole Tolkien shelf in my library right now. Yeah, I don't think my I've seen that. I think I them. might have known that you had looked at that, but maybe I didn't like really yeah. register it. But that is pretty cool, especially with it being that old.
1: Yeah, it was I was kinda looking at it, I'm like, oh my god, if this is signed by Tolkien I will literally die. And it's like three years after him passed. his um, passing. I yeah. was like, close though. <laughs> I bet it is hard to get a signed Tolkien. Um, I'm sure Oof. it's worth, it's invaluable. Like, you yeah. can put a price on that, I'm sure. I wonder how often he did it. He probably rarely did. I mean, he wasn't that popular when he was alive, right? Like.
0: Well, I also kind of wonder, because I mean, like, now it's kind of a little bit easier to do that kind of thing. It was probably not as common back then, I would guess. Yeah, to
1: travel and, like, meet authors and
0: things of the like. Yeah. Yeah, and also just even know where they are, because it was like, you know, it wasn't as easy. Yeah, Yeah, that that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Man, no, that is really cool. That, for sure, like, it would be kind of hard to do in the house that I have currently. Like, there's not really, like, a great place that I could put a library. We've talked about getting bookshelves and, like, more things like that, so we can have more places to put our books. But I want a library. That's one of those things that's definitely on my list. Like, I want some of those, like, floor-to-ceiling bookshelves. That was... They had a room bigger
1: than my living room of just floor-to-ceiling shelves and stacks of books. Did they have ladders? No. It wasn't that fancy.
0: That's what you need, is you need those fancy ladders so you can, like,
1: live your... They had one, but I think they it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's on the list. I want, like, a loft of books,
0: essentially. That's what I wanted eventually. What I have now is fine. <laughs> no, <laughs> fine. yeah. I mean, there's there's things that I could do, but, like, I'm talking, like, dream. Yeah, Like, dream nonsense. state. Nonsense. I w- yeah. I want a library. But, yeah, that, that is pretty cool. And, I mean, I'm glad that it turned into a good thing, because it could have been one of those things where it's like, like this was great, or this really sucks. Yeah, like, I only
1: wanted the books that I found. All the rest <laughs> of
0: these books are not so great, and yeah. they're bad, and they're not in good condition. But. Well, it
1: was just really fun to find how many that were signed and, like... To keep stumbling upon books that I've heard of or want to read. and Which is funny, my mom's like, so you don't have to buy books for a while. I'm like, ah, that's not how this works. And I like, still buy books all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, now I have them. If there's like an apocalypse and I can't go buy more books, I have enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the curse of liking books. Is you're like, more books! More books! <laughs> like, like, no, I need to read my books. I need to read my yeah. <laughs> I need to stop wanting to buy books. What
1: happens to me now, especially, is like, I want to read a specific type of book to research it just because I'm in that mood, and I'll just keep buying those books and reading them like they're a crack, and then suddenly I'll stop <laughs> and just have all these books left over, like, oh, right. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, We've had we've had already talked about books and the problems I have with books, but I do love books. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's a little bit of a struggle sometimes for me to find ones that I like. Well, part of me like I never want to move because I'm like, god,
1: <laughs> the, books. <laughs> the books.
0: The fucking the fucking books. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> You'd probably have to either get
1: movers or cuz I Like, for example, all my Tolkien books, I have hard copies and paper copies, because I abuse the shit out of the paper copies and take them everywhere and read them, and I hold back the pristine, beautiful hardbacks forever. (laughs) People ask me, they'll be like, why do you have, like, don't touch it! (laughs) I still have, like, sealed hardcover collector books. That's crazy. Yeah. And then when I get drunk, I order books. (laughs) I ordered a $250 book on flowers the
0: last time I got drunk. I was like, fuck. I have wanted to buy some really, like, pretty editions of books. Oh, my gosh. This is such a weird problem. (laughs) But I've wanted to buy very... Because, okay. I read The First Witcher. And I really liked it, actually. Like, it was bizarre. I don't know... I tried. Which which one did you read? The Wish. I don't think that that's the first one. I can't remember what it is now. But, like... Anyway, I liked it. And I wanted to read a little bit more. But man, do I hate those book covers. Like they're just so generic. They're not anything special. And it's just like, like, I wish I could buy like a nicer version. Like that was kind of even why I bought this version, which I mean, that's kind of hard to talk about in an audio medium. But like, basically, there's not really like a lot on this fellowship. It's like the minds of Moria door is basically what's on the cover there. It's very simple. It's red. But like, I like that because it's like, at least like, I think it looks kind of nice. And like, I don't, I don't tend to like the ones as much that look kind of weird, or they've got like dorky, whatever things on. I mean, like, that's fine. I'm not saying that that's like bad. It's just, I like books. Like, I like the ones that look nice. Like, I think it's nice to have.
1: There's some company, because I've seen the videos, they make custom new covers, and they did one for Lord of the Rings that made me want to die. I was like, I will spend
0: whatever amount of money you require of me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they had one, actually, like, I, maybe it's not the same company, but I saw one like that for The Witcher, and I was like, <sighs> I was like, but I don't even know if I like the whole series yet. <laughs> so now I'm just like, I'm struggling with it. Uh,
1: that's definitely uh, when I have too much expendable income, I'll just slowly get fancier and fancier book versions of... I'll have, like, six versions of one book because it's like, I love that book, and I just kept buying prettier, better covers of it.
0: <laughs> I know. I want to have a really fancy shelf in my foyer. Yeah. Like a nice, like, one of those, uh, like, asymmetrical or, yeah. like... I mean... I wanted ugh. the books to fall on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, 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 God, that quote. Um. <laughs> I mean, I would love to have the floor to see. I think it would be a little weird in there unless, like, I got custom shelves. So I'm more talking about just, like, a really aesthetic shelf where it's, like, I could have some, like, fancy books and it, like... But then it'd be books that I like and it just, like, look cool.
1: Yeah. So. Don't... There's a
0: site, a Eden Book Press.
1: Have yeah. you ever heard
0: of it? I don't think so. Don't go there.
1: I'm it's, like... Scared. 50 to $500 books. Man. In fancy. That's where I bought my flower book for $250. And you could do payment plans. But <laughs> you do four interest free payment plans, and I'm like, done. Go, go
0: in debt <laughs> like over bucks. Lord of the Rings.
1: <laughs> yes, let's go. <laughs> Man. Yeah. <sighs> you think I won't?
0: <laughs> That's a good thing to go in debt. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: my library. Okay. Okay, Our
0: movie time. So now we're going to talk about the movies, which I think for both of us, I think we both tend to lean more towards the movies. I think both of us probably watched the movies first. I'm pretty sure I did, for sure. I might not have seen Return of the King. That's where I'm at. I think I watched
1: one, like Fellowship and Two Towers and then started reading and read The Return of the King before the Return of the King movie.
0: hmm which we didn't mention this in the book section too, but I mean, cause we talked about this way in the introduction, but this is actually how we became friends. And I feel like I should mention this again, just because, you know, in case people are just coming in on this, that I was reading like the huge Bible version of the Lord of the Rings. Cause you know, I'm just, that's me. That's Krista. That's what I do. I do things like that yeah. at school, you know, being the badass <laughs> eight year old kid, apparently that I was carrying this giant, thousand page bible thing and then yeah i had the
1: same book it was like are you reading that <laughs> like, y- yeah it's like yeah <laughs> and
0: then we became friends <laughs> so yeah because of Lord of the Rings. and i think it's you know at least important to mention but we are talking about the movie so we've already messed up <laughs> We
1: <we're> fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> so, maybe so, we should just put in a soundbite of our like intro episode talking mm.
0: about becoming friends because of what <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you want to listen to that in more detail, here's the, <laughs> the bite. Okay, go back. back. Go back. Mm-hmm. And listen to us. I don't even... What other things do we even talk about in the intro? It's been, like, so long. We were but weird kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> we became friends once. We were
1: friends. There was another Julie. Like, <laughs> we did a <the> whole thing.
0: <laughs> okay. but But the movies... I think um, there's a lot that's very similar and there's plenty that's different. I think, like, the general vibe is the same. Like, if you read the books, you're definitely going to get a gist for the story. They do, I will say, they cut a lot of that beginning section that I was saying where, like, the tone is kind of happier and flittier and all that kind of stuff. And they kind of layer in more, more of the tone that's the rest of the book. Because I would say that, like... I don't really feel like they ever return to that kind of happy tone. Even from, it's been a while. So like I said, it's been a while since I've read return of the King, but I don't even think by the end of return of the King, they ever like get back there. No,
1: because it's like, it's from the perspective of Frodo and the general narrative. So like the narration tries to be back to the beginning, but I guess the idea is that Frodo is not the same. And so then he looks at everything yeah. differently, despite it being just the same as it was before. Like they keep talking about like, Nothing changed here. The world kept spinning and didn't nothing happened and now it's joyful and wonderful and Frodo can't feel that way anymore. Like yeah. It's gone. So None that that feeling of innocence and joy and happiness that
0: you experienced
1: through Frodo in the beginning and everything is completely gone.
0: I mean, there is a lot at least for us. I mean, I can understand like people liking the books differently from the movies cuz they are different. But for me personally, like if I was going to recommend Lord of the Rings to somebody who's never watched it, doesn't really know anything about it, I don't really know how that's possible. You live in a very strange bubble, like if you know nothing about this. But I would probably say to watch the movies. And like, honestly, if you're really casual, you can watch the regular, what is it, the theatrical ones. Yes, the long ones are the better ones, but, like, I would say, like, if you're a newbie and you just want to, like, figure out if you're gonna like this, you can watch those ones. I will say I disagree if you're
1: going as far as to Return of the King. Say, for instance, you could probably watch The Fellowship Theatrical, even The Two Towers. Return of the King is fucking weird. If you don't have the extended, if you ask me, there's just so many little things that make no fucking sense because they cut these scenes. So that's why I, that's my only correction. It's like yeah, I guess if you don't want to sit for three hours and watch the fellowship fair enough, even though I totally disagree and would make you watch the extended. I get it, you can start with that. But if you get to Return of the King, do your
0: transition. <laughs> I do my things like video game logic, which is you do it first the easy way and then if you like it you go back. And that's kind of the way that I like cuz I mean I do that with tons of books. Like I've read books that are like the movies. Like I'll watch the movie and if I really like a movie and then I find out that there's a book, I'll normally read the book. Yeah, that's what I do. And so that's kind of the same thing to me where it's like watch a mo- watch the movie like the shorter ones. If you don't like it, you're probably not going to like the longer ones. So I mean yeah, watch the theatrical um Lord of the Rings. If you really like it, Watch the extended one. Yeah, it's better. A lot of things make more sense. It's prettier. Uh, There's a lot more detail, you know? But if you're just trying to figure out if you will like this, try the short one. Or you burn. (laughs) Don't talk to me. (laughs) Julie won't accept you. I won't accept you. But, you know. For me, I mean, I, I mentioned this in one of our last videos. This is my favorite movie, like, ever of all time. I just... For one thing, I really like fantasy. Fantasy is, like, very important to me. It's, like, my favorite genre. It's, like, the thing that makes me feel feelings in, like, a, like, a, it makes me care kind of way. And, like, that is how I feel about this movie. Like, I love, you know, the stuff with the Hobbits. Like, I love the whole, like, nostalgia and even, like, the music that they have for the Hobbits is so... It fills you with that like nostalgia and it like it makes you feel this kind of like peppy happy like oh yeah like I'm I'm glad to be here type of stuff. And then you know as you get later and it like the music gets more epic and like you know things get more epic and like the story is like very simple in a lot of ways which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think sometimes people do like they don't like that kind of storytelling that's just like here's the MacGuffin, do the thing with it. And it's like, but the thing about those kind of stories is it makes the objective very clear and less cluttered in ways. I mean, okay, it's Tolkien, so it's cluttered, but you still always know what the goal is. The goal is always, we have this great evil, we have to get rid of it, we gotta go do the thing. And that's always clear. And I, I like the story for that. Like, I like that it is just this goal good versus evil
1: yeah i would say the music is a huge component and even just for tolkien tolkien was a very musical-esque person like there's so many songs and ditties and things because like i said before he kind of came up with a lot of this world by singing and doing silly things with his kids and so like to have the music in this movie is amazing it cannot be like I don't love any score more. There are scores that touch me differently that like make me have different feelings of just like, oh my gosh, and I feel it. There's not a single song in Lord of the Rings I don't love. Like it's just, it's perfect for everything it did. And I can't talk enough about the, <laughs> the music. Like she was saying, like it's a completely different tone. Like every single terrain throughout all the movies have different tones and points to them and even if they reprise certain pieces like it's different it's changed like it's so amazing
0: <laughs> yeah and i think even i watched i think i watched something kind of recently that was like talking about fellowship of the rings and like how they did the movie and stuff and i think they were talking about how they started doing the hobbit stuff And they hadn't heard the music yet. Um, I think that they had started like composing it and things. And so I think like once they were kind of towards the end of the Hobbit stuff, they finally heard the music. And like, I think like Peter Jackson was just like, like, it's so perfect. Like that was like basically his reaction to it. And like, that's, yeah, it just, all the feelings. And it really is like that. Uh, you know, I we'll have to put in like a little clip of it here. But like, it's just so like this, like cute and like happy. And like, I, I really love the Hobbit song. I mean, I do love the stuff later. But like the stuff later is kind of it's harder to quote because it's like very, it's like dramatic and like, you know, like uh, mystical, like when they're around the elves and you know, when uh, Gandalf is dying, sorry, a spoiler, spoiler, kind of, <laughs> like, it's so dramatic, like, it's just this, like, edge of your seat, like, drums and, like, feelings and, like, there's so much, like, you always feel the music. The music, mm-hmm. like, matches the tone perfectly every single time.
1: Yeah, not a missed beat, it's perfection at its most. Yeah. <sighs>
0: And I will say too, just getting a little bit past the music part of it, I love the cast. I, I, honestly, I don't think that anybody is miscast. No, I think every,
1: I'm trying to think, like, I know some cast members did have problems themselves, like Saruman had his whatever and so on and so forth, but like, I even kind of feel that way in The Hobbit. Like, they... Music and casting was perfect. Like, I didn't... No character seemed out of place or misdone. Like, Ian McKellen couldn't imagine a better Gandalf, even though they were talking to Sean Connery about being Gandalf,
0: which is about the funniest fucking thing to me. Um, oh, yeah. He's Perfect. Perfect. Um, perfect Gandalf, and like they really all are. I mean, maybe the only thing I would disagree in The Hobbit, which we don't have to talk about this too much because we're not talking about The Hobbit, but uh, Orlando Bloom and the well, thing they did with his eyes was—he wasn't bizarre. supposed to be there, so we don't. Right. Even, like, <laughs> but whatever they did with his eyes was not. Was hunched, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but even like Vigo Morrison, which was like a very late pick too. I forget who they said they were gonna have. They were gonna have somebody kind of more famous, and I don't remember who it was but then he backed out and then they just like, kind of picked Vigo, like kind of on a whim. And then it was like, yeah, like I can't imagine it not being Vigo as Aragorn. Like he's just really good. Um, Elijah Wood, Frodo. (laughs) What it was supposed to be Nicolas Cage? <laughs> oh my gosh! I thought it was something like that. Oh my gosh! We need to have our I Nick Cage that. podcast so bad. I, I want to talk about Nick Cage more than anything. <laughs> that man, <laughs> he, ugh, he, all the things he does. I think he wasn't he gonna be like Superman or something at one yeah. point. Nick Cage, everybody.
1: Yeah, Nicolas mm. Cage. <laughs> I love this article. I don't think you understand how much <laughs> I would have paid to see Nicholas Cage in the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> let's re- let's reshoot it. Let's, yeah, give let's, him let's go get Sean Connery while well, he's gone, but well, uh, Daniel Day Lewis was up for it. Russell Crowe was up for it. <laughs> Been another and Vin Diesel was up for it.
0: That's Aragorn? <laughs> oh my gosh, no. Yeah, I want Nick Cage's Aragorn. Just for the walls. <laughs> Just <laughs> can we
1: recast like a whole Lord of the Rings bit? Like keep everything the same, but just change every single actor. Oh my
0: god. Like every Could you every line the every elf. The parts where we, he's with Arlen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Nick King. Uh, be
1: amazing. Be uh, a work of a masterpiece. I can't believe I forgot that. I remember Sean Connery because I literally spent a whole day quoting Gandalf as Sean Connery. <laughs> So I remember that. I remember the Nick Cage,
0: though. I can't really do a very good Sean Connery accent, but, like, the uh, again, a Wizards Never Late, he's always precisely <laughs> Sean Connery. Precisely
1: <laughs> means I can I can do Nick... Or not Nick <laughs> Cage. I can do Sean Connery three times a year. Don't know when they happen, but those days, I am a perfect Sean Connery. You can ask my mother. Because she, like, every time it happens, she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'll just start talking to her and asking for things <laughs> like Shankari.
0: He's too mouthy. Like his stuff, it's like almost like he's got something in his mouth and I can't do ones like Fly. that. <laughs> like just
1: like super
0: like Yeah, we'll, we'll make this happen for sure. Um, yeah, but everything is like- Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that we very, I mean, that's good. Very good. But, um, the other thing, like, I just kind of wanted to mention is, like, I mean, I talked about the story a little bit, but, like, even just, like, kind of the the way that people are in this story, which I don't think you catch as much in the book because the book is, it's a little bit older. It's quite an old book at Windy. this point. But, like, some of the stuff with, like, the relationships, which I can have, like, kind of one small complaint about uh, Fellowship particularly there's not a lot of women in these books. Like, at all. it is a very odd thing. Like, you could pretty much read all these books and there's, like, three. There's, like, yeah. three women total, which is bizarre. But that aside, I do really like the relationships between men in this story. Because there is, like, a lot of stuff where, like, they care about each other. And, like, they cry. And, like you know, they'll, like, uh, you know, kiss each other on the head and stuff. And, like, it's, like, it's very, in this way, it's masculine, but, like, it's not masculine in, like, the toxic way, I guess. Like, it's very, like, they're very forward with their emotions. Like, they very much, like, care about each other. And, like, they show that very clearly. And, you know, there's war and, like, fighting and, like, all this kind of stuff. But, like, like, they're still manly men. Yeah, like, it makes a point to be,
1: like, not to downtrodden it, not to make it seem like it's a bad thing. It's a very, like, this is commonplace. This is healthy. This is, like, what we do. And mm-hmm. we need more of that in storytelling and in the world.
0: Yeah. And I just, I I like that in this story. Like, I like the relationships that people, like, form in this story. Although I will say, my man Legolas, he speaks to on Frodo one time and never again. <laughs> so, you know, that was a pretty poor well, relationship. <laughs> not to go back to the books too much... The relationship
1: between harwan and aragorn makes no fucking sense in the book yeah they never no talk sense. about it
0: at all it's just like there's a couple times where you like see he them just like together.
1: daydreams about her or like they're in passing like it never yeah. ever makes any sense and i always love telling people that i'm like i have no idea they're together the entire book until he's just like you're my wife now like or when elrond's like concerned about her like that's it otherwise i'm like they're together like i thought they just had weird mystic moments in the foot like in the fade like <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> like, they just keep talking about each other occasionally in some weird way. Like, I don't know. <laughs> so if that's... you thought it was weird in the movies, that's them doing their best. <laughs> because the book, he does not
0: know what he's talking about. Yeah, they change, like, a couple things with that in general. Because I think even the other thing is in the books, like, Aragorn's not really... He's not as passive as he is in the movies. Like in the movies, they kind of make it out like he doesn't want this stuff. And I don't even really remember what the reasoning is in the movies. In the books, like he wants it. Like he's like, I want to be king. Like that's what I want to do. That's like my goal. Like he's not, (laughs) he's not passive about it. But in the movies, he's kind of like, I don't know. I think they're trying to build up his concern for the darkness of man or whatever. Yeah. Eh. (laughs) Something like that. That's. But yeah, the his character does a shift, but I would say like he's still enough of this it's not really that big of a deal. No, to he's me. still like misty cool and
1: whatnot, and since he's part of like not the Ashtari, what is he? The The Dunadine. The Dunadine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since he's that it's kinda like, yeah, he's weird.
0: <laughs> I do really like Legolas too. Although some of this is in the books. Like He's so funny funny as an elf because like he does all this stuff where he's just like, yeah, this stuff isn't a burden to me and <laughs> yeah. I'm, out. I'm an elf because <laughs> like one of the ones is is like I think this is mainly in the books. I don't think this is in the movies. He, it's like the part where they're, like, struggling with the snow and everything. Yeah, in the movies, they just show him, like, walking past them as they're, like, trugging through. And he's yeah. like,
1: there's a the valve voice in the air. And they're yeah. like, what? We can't do shit! But in
0: the in the books, it's like, they're he all struggling. He them. Yeah, he, he literally gets them. up. Like, they're all in the snow, and he's, like, up on top of it, and he's like, I'm gonna go scout! And he just like... <laughs> and it's like, wow. You guys do miraculous. that! I'll be back! Yeah. <sighs> okay. Um... Oh, two more points with this before we kind of move on to like our second section in case Julie or if Julie has a couple more things to say. I will say that this does hold up incredibly well for a 20 year old movie. I mean, like I just watched the last part of this the other day. Like it's very good. There's maybe a couple parts where you might notice some of the CGI maybe, but not really. He didn't do a lot of CGI. It's very good for a movie that's 20 years old. And that's incredibly rare. So Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, a treasure. Holds up. Also. The only
1: thing is the one scene with the cave troll when Frodo gets stabbed. That's always mm. been awkward and weird.
0: Yeah. There's <laughs> a couple times that, like, I noticed stuff, and I think it's more just because I've been explained, like, how it worked, essentially, and so, like, now when I watch it, I'm like... Oh, yeah. How, like, the mirror thing works with the hobbits and regular people and all that. Yeah, that, and then, like, um... A lot of, so, like, because CGI wasn't, I don't think it was, like, as, I mean, like, you could do it back then, but, like, it wasn't as big of a thing. And, like, especially if you wanted it to look good. So, for a lot of things, like, especially where they have the cities and, like, you know, all the things, like, they wouldn't have in real life or whatever. A lot of times those are either, mini, I think most of the time they're miniatures. So, like, Menace Tirith or, like, um uh, what is it? Rivendell. Things like that is basically like a miniature that they had, and then they would like CGI things, so like you would have people in the background, so it didn't just look like <laughs> just yeah. empty and, and things city. like that. Um, and there's a couple times where you can kind of tell that they did like a painting or something, and had them like run across a line, and then like put all the rest in the back, basically. So like a lot of times this happens in Minas because like they have these parts where they're running across bridges and stuff, and it's like they couldn't. They couldn't really do that practically, so like you'll you'll just be able to tell. You're like, yeah, they do look kind of weird there. Like <laughs> and it's when not... I focus on it, yeah. <laughs> they don't really look like they're real people necessarily. I mean, I'm sure they are, but like the way they like plopped them into the scene, essentially, it's stuff like that. But like, really, you have to be looking for that stuff to know it. And I probably really only noticed because I watched this movie a million times, yeah, a lot. So <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah. I only occasionally noticed The Hobbit sizing thing
0: because yeah. i know how it works and i'm just like eh. <laughs> it's a little weird <laughs> yeah at times i think it's odd too i think i noticed it more in like return of the king or something because there are like a few times where like it's it's mainly when they have them with other people yeah and you're like like with farming like, that's not like right like that can't be <laughs>
1: But it's funny, because, like, when they're touching, like, when they grab hobbits and stuff, I don't notice it that much then. I don't know mm. if it's because of movement versus, like, it being standing still and staring. But, yeah, when they're touching them and stuff, it's a different technique, I guess. Mm. And so I don't notice it then. But I do notice it, like, when they're standing near Farmer and it's like, what's going on there? there <laughs> like, has got a child in a wig there? <laughs> like, what's... Like, he's leaner than you, but you're smaller than him. And, like, this is weird.
0: I think I remember particularly in Return of the King, like, the part where they're all, like, standing and they're, like, bow. Like, I remember that looking weird. Because, like, something, like, about the way they did the heights and with them bowing or something, I was like, this doesn't, like... Something in my mind is telling me that this doesn't look correct. And I'm not sure why, but... Anyway. Anyway. One other little fun fact that I just wanted to mention because I saw this and I loved this so much. And I wish so much that I would have been here when this happened. But Sean Bean was very afraid of helicopters. Like he was afraid of flying and stuff at this time. So a lot of times, you know, they shot things on mountains and such and they would like helicopter the people up there when they were in their costumes. But Sean Bean was so scared. He would go climb up the mountains or like he would get on a ski lift. Could you imagine being see? going to go ski, and you see Sean Bean, and you're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's I mean, I guess you wouldn't know at that time, but yeah, I just, I love that fact. And, like, there's even, like, you can find, like, there are shots of him, and you'll see, like, them in the helicopter, and they're, like, looking <laughs> at, at Sean Bean just, like, walking up. It's so good. <laughs> That's pretty great. Oh, and then I guess the second kind of other random fact, because I literally just rewatched this movie the other day, in the end credits, because this movie does take place in New Zealand, which is beautiful and wonderful. There is like this 10 minute section, it's probably even longer than that, where they list like all the babies that were born. And I'm guessing I maybe I need to look at it again. But like, I think it's all the babies that were born, like in relation to the movies. Gosh, it goes on for, like, 15 minutes. It's, like, every baby that was born in the vicinity. Like, because I I was looking at this and uh, we had finished. So like, my husband was doing something and I was, like, going and um, cleaning or whatever. And I kept, like, coming back because I was just, like, listening to music because it's, you know, epic soundtrack and all that. And I come back and I'd be, like is this still the baby thing? And then I would be like, okay. And then I go leave, do another thing. I come back and I'm like, is this still the baby thing? It's crazy. Everybody should experience this. It is so long. I just... Love of New Zealand. Mm. So, okay. So we're... For for
1: this last part, we've kind of already like gone over a lot of it, but we've talked about the ways the book is weaker and what we think could be a better movement for it. We're trying to cut off on, like, a building moment because we try to always be like, this is what we would do or this is how it could be better. But we've already kind of done that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, for the books, I probably would have structured the first part differently. That's kind of my thing. I don't like the tone shift, personally. Like, when I'm reading one book, it's kind of weird to me. I get it. I think it's fine. Like if you were reading them as two separate things, although it would be confusing. (laughs) But um, yeah, I don't like the tone shift. Um, I think those are really kind of the big things there. Um, Well,
1: I just I love Two Towers,
0: and so the second half of the Fellowship sounds more
1: like that. And I've reread the Two Towers like ten times over the Fellowship and the Return of the King. So as we kind of said, like the it's just a little windy and weird, like. (laughs) In the beginning of the fellowship. And I mean, of course, we can't do justice to, to Tolkien. Like, I don't think we could have written any better, whatever. Like, I'm not saying that. It's just, I understand why it's hard for people to start.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, if you really wanted to, um, to read it and you're a little nervous, you could try listening to it. I found an Audible book. Um, let me actually see who's the guy who reads it. Cause yeah, I liked I thought his voice was appropriate. Um, Cause sometimes that's a problem with me with audible yeah, books. I like kind of I can't hold it. I was like, I can't do it if I don't like your voice. Like, okay. it's like I'm gonna listen to you for like ten hours. But I've been starting to listen to narrated by Rob Ingalls, and I I think his voice works. Like, I think it's appropriate. So I would suggest that, and then. Yeah, if you're really, really a noob, like I said before, I would probably suggest watching the movie first and seeing if you even like it. I think that you will. I think for me, personally, the only part of the movie, which I did put this on here because I think it's, it cracks me up. (laughs) The only part of the movie that I would change is the part where Gandalf and Saruman are dueling because the part where Saruman makes Gandalf spin cracks me up unreasonably every time because like he just like he like just makes him spin in this like and Kendall's like ah <laughs> and then he like shoots him off the ceiling I want so badly for a behind the scenes of this I want to see them he make Anne yeah. spin because it's so like That part of it, I would have changed. Like, I mean, they could still duel. I just, like, that part of it is like, it's not supposed to be funny. And it just, I think it's funny. (laughs) See, that part doesn't bother me at all. Because it's like, I'm
1: focused on what Saruman's saying. So, and then, like, Gandalf's anguish. So, I don't laugh at that. But the part I would change, I mentioned earlier, is when the cave troll stabs Frodo. And he's just like, for, like, way too long. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like... I get that they're trying to add a dramatic flair of like, did he die? And they wanted people to think he died. But they honestly could have just like made him go Ugh! and have him fall over. And it would have accomplished the same thing. Instead of literally everyone going, Frodo! Uh, Frodo! Uh! like he's just like, It's just too much. Too dramatic. Too heavy handed. And then especially because he does all that. And they pick him up and he's like, I'm not hurt. I'm all right. Like, then why the fuck did you do that for so long?
0: Yeah, I can agree with that. (laughs) I mean, I do. I think like one of the things too, which this is kind of a little bit of a weird one that I like better in the movies is I like some of the stuff with Baromir. I think I still like him in the books. Like, okay it's a weird thing. And I think like, I've kind of changed like I somebody I was listening to somebody talk about this recently, and it kind of changed my opinions of Boromir. Because like in the books, he is pretty like made out to be a villain. And I mean, I guess I would say that that's like the same in the movies. But I think like, I really like him as a gray character, I've come to find because like, the big thing with him, I think is just like, this like fear that's really what it is. And like, even I think in the extended version, I don't think they do as good of a job of this in the um, theatrical cut. It's like, basically, he lives in this place that is on the edge of war all the time. And like, he thinks that his people are going to die. Like, that is just what he thinks is going to happen. And like, it's, traumatic for him like it's like it's his family it's his brother it's like everything that he's ever had and like he's like they're all going to die and like even like in the extended edition there's a lot of aragorn just being like well we're not going to do that we have to go take the ring like we can't help you and like you can just like tell like barmer's just like yeah but like all my people are gonna die like do you understand how hard that is for me (laughs) everyone's
1: speaking more worldly while he's like my world is very small and none of you care. And, like, so he tries to, He tries so hard to be good that that's ultimately what is his downfall. And it's kind of, like, showing the duality of man that, like, no matter how good you are, like, darkness is always mm-hmm. part of you. And, yeah, I think Baromir, people give him a lot of shit when really it's just, like, you would... Honestly, people would be more like Baromir than they would be Aragorn. As much as people want to be yeah. Aragorn, Aragorn is a Dunedain. He's different. He's not really human in that way but barmir is a true human in the human experience of like no matter how good you want to do it's not always the right thing and
0: well and even too like i think you know you know being older and like understanding things more and things like that his like last scene even is very beautiful because Mm -hmm. it's like that whole thing of like i said like he's basically like all my people are gonna die. Like, I'm dying. Like, I can't go back and protect my people. Like, I see the end. And, like, he's, like, crying. And, like, he's upset. He's, like, all my people are going to die. And, like, Aragorn's, like, you know, like, don't worry about it. Like, I think you you did a good thing. I'll do the best that I can to help your people and, like, all this kind of stuff. But, like, yeah, it's, like, it's very... I think, like, I feel very differently about Boromir than what I probably would have thought when I was a kid. And it's just, it's very interesting to kind of have that change of perspectives. Well, I think people, when they don't read into his
1: character, they think of him as someone who wants glory, someone who wants power, someone who wants to rule, when that's not him at all. That is 100% not what Boromir is, as you were saying, like, the entire time. He just wants to save what little world he had. And the only thing he can think that would do that would be power. And to be fair, that is kind (laughs) of the truth, like, of it all. But, and that's also what the ring's supposed to do. Like, Mm -hmm. it's part of his character is showing the power and depth of the ring. Just because it doesn't affect Frodo in the way that it's meant to, doesn't mean, like, it's affecting even Aragorn at parts that he has to fight. And Boromir shows the true darkness of what the ring does to you.
0: Yeah. And I mean, he even he feels bad too. like, at towards the end, you know, he does his whole like redeeming thing and all of that kind of stuff. But like, I just, I do think like his arc is very interesting. And it was interesting to have him in there, even though, you know, maybe to most people he came across as a villain. But like, I do think like that gray is very interesting. And like that whole thing of like, you know, like, because I think like when he basically goes to Galadriel, the thing like that he that happens to him when he's there is like, she's basically like, yeah, all your people are gonna die. So like, from that point on, that's like, why like, he kind of declines so rapidly is because like, she like, I think she shows him a vision or something. And like, it's basically like, all your people are gonna die. And so like, he's just freaking out from then on, because he's like, I need to go back. Like, I don't know what I'm doing here anymore. Like, I'm like, making a mistake, basically. I think she shows what would happen to
1: Gondor if people don't come together, more or less. Like, that big fight where Rohan comes and saves the day and all that, like, that didn't happen in the vision that she showed him.
0: Yeah, I can't remember if she shows him a vision or if it's just, like, they're talking about it. But it's it's something along, like, she is basically like, hey, shit is gonna be fucked. It's not good. Like, you need to know this. Like, stuff is, like, happening. And he just, like, starts... From there, that's like what causes his decline, basically. And he's just like, I gotta like, we need to go back there. And in the books, they do a bigger thing with that because like he basically is like, hey, like he's like trying to get them to go that way like the whole entire time, and they're kind of like, eh, what 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 good would it be? It's like kind of out of the way, like or. No, it's not out of the way. I don't remember what their reasoning is. I think there's something. Well, Aragorn's very much like I would never take that ring anywhere
1: near men because Aragorn oh. kind of hates men as they are anyway. Yeah, so that's he's what like, ah, uh, fuck that. Like I'd rather go closer to orcs. Like that's... <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather just kill. <laughs> I'd rather just get killed. Like <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then there's like this weird fan theory about Galadriel because she, like, as much as Lord of the Rings shows elves in these like pure light and whatever, when you read Salma and all other shit. They're fucked up. Like, they are some fucked up motherfuckers, like... And so some people think it's, like, Galadriel's placement in his mind that, you know, she tells Frodo, like, he will try to take the ring. Like, that's all in her playbook Mm -hmm. of her testing herself to make the ring, like, available to her. And so, like, that's another weird thing that she just manipulated Boromir, like, for her own game, because it's Elven Way.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just... I don't know. I thought I would mention that, because it was, like, kind of a... Like, a thing... We're team Baromir here. Yeah. We like Baromir. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's complicated. He's gray. Yeah. And I like gray. We like gray characters. Yeah. I enjoy it. Like, okay. Like I said at the beginning, I do like good versus evil and I like that whole thing. But yes, I do. I enjoy gray. I think gray is more interesting most of the time. Because if you have just like a character that's like goody two-shoes. I mean, even like we were saying earlier, I wouldn't even say that Frodo is like that. Like, Frodo is, like, essentially his whole thing is he wants to do this because he doesn't want bad things to happen to the Shire. Like, he wants to preserve good. And so he's doing this good thing, and, like, it is, like, kind of a sacrifice thing, but, like, it's it's not really because he wants to do it. It's, like it's more he feels like he has to because he feels like he's the only one who can and so it really is like a burden to him and that's like the way he treats it the whole time is it's like this is the thing I have to do and he'll, you know, he thinks about the Shire a lot and like he wants to go back and like, he, he basically is, like, pretty much resigned, like, that he's gonna die. Like, that's his whole thing. He's like, I'm never gonna see the Shire again. Like, it's not gonna yeah. happen. I'm gonna go do this. It, like, keeps getting heavier. The burden keeps getting worse. And, mm-hmm. yeah. It's interesting. And I think it's interesting, especially for a book that's this old, to have so many, like, kind of gray things. Like, it's not so... It's cut and dry, but it's not as
1: cut and dry. Yeah, especially like the book is even more gray than the movies because they the movies had trouble explaining gray. So then like Tom Bomb well, all these characters got cut because they're like, I don't understand their purpose, <laughs> which was a complaint from the actor who played Saruman. He didn't fully understand like what Saruman's role was because of, like, the rainbow cloak and everything (laughs) else. Yeah, the
0: rainbow cloak. He was like, why didn't I get a rainbow cloak? where's my rainbow cloak? (laughs) I don't want to be Saruman the white. I'm Saruman of many colors. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) (laughs) So,
1: yeah, I mean, ultimately, we couldn't do a better job in the movies or books, even if we do see flaws in them, to be the slight. And these flaws are... For the movies at least, they're very nitpicky. We're just like, this scene's just cringe now. <laughs> like just we've seen it so many times that it's like gotten to this weird phase for it. Yeah, but I mean I think it's
0: I mean, I've definitely watched movies do cringier things. Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. and movies that have come out more recently than this. So, you know, we talked about comedies recently and I have watched some cringy comedies. So That's okay. this was passion for your passions with Krista and Julie where we talked about Lord of the Rings the fellowship
1: of the ring on the next episode we're going to be talking about theater
0: so now we're on from books i think we should go to movies i don't know why i did that i did yeah, the wrong. Th- <laughs> i did the incorrect
1: thing <laughs> What
0: <laughs> dramatic
1: page turns psych. <laughs> Whoops. Wait. <laughs>
0: hold hold on. Sorry. This was a very windy episode of Passion for Your Passions with Krista. Julie. <laughs> Julie. <laughs> Just say as far away as possible. Julie. <laughs> Julie. <laughs> Julie
1: you <laughs>